Welcome to Into the Music on Radio National, abc.net.au slash rn. Robin Johnston here, continuing our summer series of award-winning programs. The documentary we're about to hear won a silver medal in the Best Music Special category at the 2010 New York Radio Awards. It's the story of a singer, a tenor who lived in the first half of the 20th century, whose glorious voice and way with the song made him a hugely popular radio star and recording artist. His story touches many people and takes us to many places, even into space in search of the asteroid named after the tenor Joseph Schmidt. We begin right down on Earth, treading the ground of the Friesenberg Cemetery near Zurich with astronomer Marcus Grieser and producer Natalie Kesticher. On Into the Music, this is A Star Fell, Remembering Joseph Schmidt. So... If there's a clear evening, mm-hmm. we'll be able to see the Joseph Schmidt asteroid, or not this no, year? No, in uh, this uh, time, not. He's in the near of the sun. Absolute no. So when's the next possibility time? to find? Oh, I must. Uh, I must have a look in the computer. My astronomer friend. Marcus seems to have been here before. He seems to know exactly where the grave is. And here it is. The final resting place of Joseph Schmidt. And on the tombstone it says, Ein Stern fällt, which means a star fell. And there's some Hebrew letters under that, and the name Joseph Schmidt, Kamersanga. Kamersanga, what does that mean? It's an opera uh, singer. Opera singer, and the years 1904 to 1942. to you and asking for your help. Where do you think this story should begin? Do I begin with the chronological facts about the short life of Joseph Schmidt? Do I say that he was a Jew born in Bukovina? now split between Romania and the Ukraine, but back then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire? Do I describe his short but remarkable broadcasting career in Berlin, and his films, his concerts, and the fact that by 1933, when he was no longer permitted to sing on the radio, he was one of the most popular tenors in Europe? 
Do I describe his attempts as a Jew to survive the Nazis, or his last days in an internment camp as a stateless refugee? Do I say, this isn't the story of just one remarkable and passionate man, but the story of four remarkable and passionate men? Perhaps I should begin with Eric Troyner, in the Sydney suburb of Canterbury, at a hospital of the same name, in the palliative care unit. My friend Nanya, hearing that I wanted to make a program about Joseph Schmidt, had suggested that I speak to Eric. Eric, a former Vienna Mozart choir boy, had attended a live radio performance of Joseph Schmidt in 1935 in Vienna. As Nanya pointed out, there couldn't be too many people left, particularly here in Australia, that would have seen Schmidt perform live. I tried calling Eric a number of times and had just about given up when he finally answered the phone. He explained that he was waiting for an ambulance and that he was very ill. Despite this, he wanted to know why I was calling and said that he would love for me to come to the hospital so that we could speak about Joseph Schmidt. By the time I got to him, he was far weaker than I'd expected, but he really wanted to share these memories, suggesting that he may never have another opportunity to do so. I remember quite well. He was a very popular singer in Europe and on Sunday mornings he also used to give concerts at the radio station in Vienna. My father took me along on Sunday morning and it was a very choice experience. It was a dapper little figure, only five foot, but at a He had a very distinctive voice and a great amount of joie de vivre and he always always put everything across beautifully. Apparently he was very good on radio. He was a a singer almost designed for the microphone. Exactly. You're absolutely right. His voice was a, a peculiar voice which would never come across on the stage properly because it was inclined to be a bit thin. And if you heard more of the voice on the radio than you ever did on stage. And particularly with his stature, that brought out his best. You could barely see him on stage. He was so minute in stature. And uh, so, really, the radio and recordings and so on they really put him on the map so do you remember how old you were when you went to see him well eight or nine at the latest eight or nine it was a radio studio oh yes it it was a radio studio with microphones there and uh, a small orchestra and so on and there he'd sing you know Heute ist der schönste Tag in meinem Leben. You know, today is the most beautiful day in my life. Heute ist der schönste Tag in meinem Leben. Da dum da dum da dum da 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 dum. 
Yeah. You know, it's a, everybody knew it. It's got to go with a real swing. Oh, I can't. And wasn't um, that also a film? Yes, I may be in several films. Well, also Einstein. Films from Hamel. That was a film. A star fell from heaven. And um, da da dum, da 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 dum, da da dum, da 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 dum. A star falls from heaven. Yes. And do you know what the other one was that was very famous? No. I think it was um, ein Lied. Ein Lied geht um die Welt. Ein Lied, das uns gefällt. Da 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 da. Yes. My song goes around yes. the world. Do you know what happened to Joseph Schmidt? I believe he was in some sort of a, not concentration camp, but some sort of a camp for foreigners in Switzerland. You know how you said you remembered that song that he sang, Einstein? And fell from Himmel. That's what it says on his grave. Oh, really? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you cry. Yeah. So they named they named a, a star after him now. Really? Yeah. Some astronomers in Switzerland um, named named this little planet that they discovered, um, planet Joseph Schmidt. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm happy to hear that. Eric died a week later. At his funeral, his own remarkable story of coming to Australia in 1939 with the Vienna Mozart Boys Choir was told. The boys had been scheduled to give their final performance in Perth before returning to Europe when war broke out. The boys became exiles and most of them, including Eric, were to spend the rest of their lives in Australia. But that's another story.
just driving through which village? That's Girnbad. 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 Which is where Josef Schmidt or Joseph Schmidt spent his last days. Yes. And we're just driving towards Alfred Fassbinder's Joseph Schmidt archive. So the archive is not far from where Joseph mm. Schmidt actually died. That's correct. Perhaps it would be fitting for me to begin this story with the recordings I made in Switzerland at the archive so lovingly curated by Alfred Fassbinder. A retired tenor himself, Alfred is also Joseph Schmidt's most respected biographer. It was you, Marcus, who insisted that I must speak to him, that any program about Joseph Schmidt must include Alfred Fassbinder. You even got your friend Lynn to translate for me. Gee, I can't believe we're here. When I think about how difficult it was to try and find okay. an address or a phone number <laughs> okay. or anything for Alfred Fassbinder. And, and here we are. are. Shall I close this, Marcus? Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, it's uh, Joseph Schmidt's home. <laughs> Only for Joseph Schmidt this room. Right. All the photos, mm -hmm. records, programs, letters. Wie sagt man? Autograms. Und persönliche Sachen. It is only now that I've had the privilege of meeting Alfred Fassbind and of visiting his archive that I can understand why you kept insisting. It's, it's, a, it's the home from Joseph Schmidt. But it's very, <laughs> very alive. Yeah. And mm. our photos, 350 photos, performances, uh, private photos and all the films. Alfred's archive is in his home, in the small village of Dernton. Although, as we heard, he calls it Joseph Schmidt's home. As he shows us his amazing collection of Schmidt memorabilia, he tells the story of this singer's rapid rise to fame. Die Familie war deutschsprachig, also Deutsch war die Muttersprache von Josef Schmidt. It was a German-speaking family, also the, the native language was German. Und als Kind sang Josef Schmidt bereits in der Synagoge in Czernowitz, als Solist bereits, als Altist. And he was a solo singer in the synagogue in Czernowitz, yeah. mm -hmm. as a child, yes, mm -hmm. as a child. Ja, Josef Schmidt sang sehr oft, also zu allen Feiertagen, aber auch bereits Konzerte. Mit, mit 20 gab es ein erstes eigenes Konzert, also ein erster eigener Solistenabend. At that time, he sang there very often, especially for particular religious celebrations. And at the age of 20, he gave his first concert in the synagogue. So did he ever become a cantor? Das war sein Wunsch. Er wollte Kantor werden, nicht Opernsänger. Aber das war schon, auch das war ein Problem, weil viele, die Verantwortlichen glauben, dem Mann kann man nicht zeigen, er ist zu klein. He never became a candle because of his lack of height. It was not deemed suitable to have him on a stage.
In the mid-1920s, Joseph Schmidt went to Berlin, still hoping to become a cantor, despite having been told that he was just too short. He received formal training in Berlin at the State Academy of Music, and in 1929, he started his recording and broadcasting career with Berlin Radio. What was it about his voice that was so special? Timbre comes from Farbe. And Josef Schmidt, only Josef Schmidt had this Farbe. He had this special colour to his voice, if you like. Yes. Yes. As soon as one heard it, it was quite obviously Josef Schmidt. Could not be mistaken for anyone else. Very distinctive. It is extreme hoch. It's mainly the extreme high notes. The middle lage was so so, and unten was schwach. Aber die Höhe, da wo ein, ein ich sage immer, ein normaler Tenor in die Höhe geht und mit Technik auch gelöst werden muss, um das zu machen, da wird es Josef Schmidt, da geht es erst auf. Bei ihm ist es alles Natur. Was wir lernen, das hat er einfach so. Normally, uh, a range of voice has to be learned, especially the higher tones. They have to be learned and practiced with a technique. But that was for Josef Schmidt, that was just something that came naturally to mm -hmm. him. Yeah, absolutely naturally. Absolutely natur. Es ist auch interessant, wenn man ihn sprechen hört im Film, da klingt die Stimme heiser, also belegt. Und genauso kann man es auch bei den Schallplatten hören. Erst aber in einer gewissen Mittellage, da, da, da strahlt da glänzt da, da kommt die wirklich, da kommt die Josef Schmidt Stimme. Zum Vorschein. Das ist das Besondere an ihm. An interesting detail is that his voice, when you hear him maybe in the films, a spoken voice speaking, or the uh, maybe in the in the lower regions when he's singing, his voice is always a little hoarse, a little rough. Uh, but only from a certain point on, or from a certain level of pitch, does his voice become 100% clear and. Uh, das war sein Markenzeichen. That was probably his. Um, How do we say his um, his das signature? Die Stelle, wo ich erwähnte als Kind, wenn dieses heute ist der schönste Tag, mein da wo der Chor kommt, wo der da die da ba 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 da wo das drüber singt, alles überstrahlt. Ach, Mensch, ist das schön. Das ist das, was mir hängen geblieben ist. So we're sort of closing the circle here, going back to the age of four or five, when Herr Fassbin first heard the voice of Joseph Schmidt, these light and clear and high tones, magic. Auch dieses fröhliche, diese diese Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Happy and friendly voice and just very, very special.
Incredibly popular in Germany. Ja, es gab dann ab 1929 bis 1933, also bis die Nazis kamen, wo er weg musste am Rundfunk, hat er 40 Opernpartien gesungen in Berlin. 40 Opernpartien in drei Jahren, das ist absoluter Weltrekord. He was extremely popular in the time from 1929 to 1933, when the Nazi regime took over. He was extremely popular and sang 40 Operas, yes, in opera roles on the radio, which is actually a world record. Within three years, 40 mm -hmm. roles. From 1933 onwards, yeah. he wasn't allowed to work for the radio in Germany. But later he worked in Vienna, in Austria. Josef Schmidt war der Erste, der uh, Rundfunk-Auftrittsverbot bekam, weil er der populärste von allen Sängern war, von den jüdischen Tenören. He was actually the first singer that was prohibited to broadcast because he was the most popular of the Jewish singers. Josef Schmidt war der Lieblingstenor von Goebbels und Goebbels wollte Josef Schmidt zum Ehrenarier nennen. Verstehen Sie das? Ehrenarier, also er hätte verleugnen können mit seinem Namen Josef Schmidt, das ist ja ganz deutsch, dass er kein Jude wäre. Also er hätte sich das sparen können, das Ganze. Josef Schmidt was actually the favorite singer of Goebbels, and he wanted to give him the title of the honoured... The honorary Aryan. The Aryan, yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Which gave her, Josef Schmidt an opportunity to take on a new identity and to, how can I say, to, to lie about his Jewish heredity. And keep performing. Exactly. And what, did he take it up? No, no answer. Kein frommer Jude, aber das hätte er niemals äh, wegstecken können. Das ist unmöglich, undenkbar. No question, of course, it's absolutely unthinkable that he would ever have, have lied about his heredity. Indiskutabel. Yeah, unthinkable. Köppel sagt ja, ich bestimme, wer Jude ist und wer nicht. Und Josef Schmidt hätte nicht Jude sein können, wenn er gewollt hätte. Yeah. Das, das yes, it's quite a crazy situation when you think about it, because Goebbels was the propaganda minister of the German Reich. And Goebbels was actually the one who said, I am the person who says who is Jewish and who is not. Yeah. So it was a huge opportunity, I suppose, at that point. Could have been a huge opportunity, but of course not for Josef Schmidt. Apart from having an incredibly successful radio career in Berlin, Joseph Schmidt was involved in a musical project that was one of the last achievements of a free German-Jewish community. The idea was to record a huge choir and Berlin's best soloists, including Joseph Schmidt, so that the Jewish liturgy would be available on record for reform congregations throughout Germany. 
Very few of the master discs of these recordings were pressed, and even fewer survived the Holocaust. Miraculously, the musical director of the Berlin Jewish Reform Community, Dr. Hermann Schildberger, managed to escape Nazi Germany with some of the master discs in his possession. So a number of these recordings ended up in Australia and have since been remastered and published. But that's another story. While visiting his archive, Alfred Fassbin told the story of one such disc that he had managed to get hold of. Ich habe jetzt, das ist vielleicht interessant, eine Platte gefunden in Amerika, so eine Sampler-Rekord nennt man das, eine Musterplatte, die war für 25 Dollar in Minimum-Bit zum Verkauf, Auktion. Ich habe sie für 700 Dollar habe ich sie bekommen. Und Sie haben sie hier? Ich habe sie bei mir. Ich wollte sie einfach haben. Das ist ein Well, how far, that's an incredible story, how Fassbin actually has one of these recordings that was offered at an auction in America. The minimum bid was $25, and Herr Fassbin paid $700 and bought the recording, which he now has here in the archive. Das sind alle Sampler-Records, aber nicht die religiösen. Das sind andere Raritäten. He's just trying to find this really special recording. Anyway, he's misplaced it. But... Wow, I told you so. You found it? <laughs> You have a beautiful voice yourself. You have a beautiful voice. I'm happy you found it because you would not have slept tonight. At the end of 1933, Joseph Schmidt moved to Vienna. He starred in a number of films, both in German and English, and did concerts in Europe, Palestine, the Balkans and the US. He lived in Vienna until 1938, when he had to once again flee the Nazis, leaving just five days before the Germans annexed Austria. He went to Brussels, where his great wish to perform on stage in an opera was finally fulfilled. He played the part of Rodolfo in La Boheme. This was to be his first and last stage opera. 
As Hitler annexed more countries, the number of places where Joseph Schmidt could do concerts shrank. According to Alfred Fassbind, he really should have stayed in the US when he toured there in 1937. But Joseph Schmidt was far too worried about his mother, who was still in Romania, and really hoped that somehow he'd be able to get her out of there. From what I understand, he had a very close connection to his mother. Is that correct? Yeah, sehr, yeah. Ich möchte was sagen, eine übertriebene Beziehung, was aber äh, ihren Grund hatte, weil, weil Josef Schmidt so klein war, glaubte eigentlich niemand an ihn. Und die Mutter war immer die, die ihn unterstützt hat. Und das hat er ihr später sehr gedankt auf diese Weise. Also er war rührend be bekümmert um sie. Yes, he had a very, very close relationship to his mother. Actually, one could almost say an exaggeratedly close, as an extremely close relationship. But there was a reason for that. As he was a, a small, a short person, um, people tended not to believe in him. And she did. And he was extremely grateful for that. Um, he tried very hard to save or to improve her situation as it was in Romania. What ended up happening to his mother? It was very hard. She came in a concentration camp in Transnistrien, had that but overlived, and she had in um eight years overlived. His mother was 1950 verstorben. She was delivered into a concentration camp, and she lived uh, a whole eight years longer than he did, and died in uh, 1950-50. Also ich habe zwei Taschentücher von Josef Schmidt. Und ich kann mir vorstellen, ich weiß es nicht genau, aber wahrscheinlich waren das Geschenke von seiner Mutter. Also Herr Fassbind has two very beautiful, absolutely brand new handkerchiefs in blue tones. Both are embroidered with a rose. It's obviously done by hand on both of the handkerchiefs. Yes, there are the initials JS. It's likely, almost probable, but not 100% sure that these were presents from his mother. Sie hat ihm auch einen Ring geschenkt, den man auch in, im Film sieht. She also gave him a ring, which you can actually see in the films, in this photograph. Und er war so stolz auf diesen Ring von seiner Mutter, er hat sich auch geweigert, in den Filmen den Ring nicht zu tragen. Also man kann in allen Filmen, sieht man diesen Ring. Auch auf Fotos ist er oft drauf. Josef Schmidt was so proud of this ring that he absolutely refused to remove it while he was filming. So the ring is actually uh, visible in all his photographs and films. This is Joseph Schmidt's passport. Ah. Es wird deshalb schwierig wegen der Daten. Schauen Sie, das ist ausgestellt in Brüssel am 31. August 39, einen Tag vor Krieg. Here we have Josef Schmidt's passport, as you can see. It was issued on the 31st of August 1939, which is exactly one day before the outbreak of war. Leise fliehen 
When the Nazis invaded Belgium, Joseph Schmidt fled first to France, but his situation became more and more difficult and stressful under the pro-Nazi Vichy regime. He eventually managed to obtain a visa for the US, but the bombing of Pearl Harbor at the end of 1941 led to the cancellation of passenger boats that may have taken him there. After two failed attempts, he eventually escaped across the border into Switzerland, where he hoped he might have the chance to once again lead a normal life and resume some sort of singing career. But he was placed in an internment camp, where officials made sure he wouldn't receive preferential treatment, just because he was the famous Joseph Schmidt. First in the camp was in Girenbad, not far from where Alfred Fassbind has his archive. Conditions in the camp were harsh, and Joseph Schmidt complained in a postcard to a friend about the cruelty of one of the camp's officers. And here we can see the original postcard. Look at how, how, how delicate it is, yeah? Written by uh, Josef Schmidt to a friend. 22nd October 1942. To a fellow musician. Schauspieler. Sorry, an actor, yeah. yes. How can I say? Explaining the situation in the refugee camp and uh, sort of complaining that one of the commanders, I suppose, of the camp, yeah. yes, mm. He actually compared him, not in his postcard, but in ones that were written before, to a dog, because he was very cruel and he um, forced the refugees to come out of the bed in the middle of the night and stand out in the icy cold weather, um, standing to attention, things like that. Sadistic. Yes. Joseph Schmidt had been in the camp five weeks when he became ill and was hospitalised with a throat infection. While in hospital, he complained about severe chest pain, but further tests were not conducted, and he was sent back to the camp only a few days later. He told a friend that a doctor in the hospital had said that he should be grateful not to be digging ditches, as he would have been had he stayed in his own country. Still unwell and in pain, Joseph Schmidt got permission to go to a small inn nearby in order to wash with warm water, rest and hopefully recover. The innkeeper, Mrs Hartman, prepared a small room for him and on the morning of November 16, he came by as arranged. When he saw a sofa in the room, he said, here is where I want to sleep. Within a few hours, Joseph Schmidt lay dead on that very sofa. Yeah. 
das war der Raum, das Zimmer, wo Josef Schmidt sagte, hier möchte ich schlafen. So hat das ausgesehen damals. Das Foto stammt noch aus den 1940er Jahren. Also das ist echt original. Auf diesem Sofa hat er gelegen. Here we can see a photograph. It's an original photograph. You can see here the inside of the room in the inn where he said, here is where I would like to sleep. And you can actually see the original sofa where he actually lay down. And there's another photograph here of the lady herself. Her name was? Irma Hartmann. She was the woman who... Opened her room for him, yes. Warmed it, heated it when he arrived on that Monday morning. Und das Sofa wollte ich doch haben. Und ich habe die Frau 20 Jahre lang gekannt. Und die war mir sehr gut gesinnt. Also die mochte mich. Und ich sagte, Frau Hartmann, wenn irgendwann die Zeit kommt, bitte sowas. Sorgen Sie dafür, dass das zu mir kommt. Versprochen, Fred, ist doch Ehrensache. Dann kam sie ins Krankenhaus und ihr Neffe, der Alleinerbe war, konnte den Namen Schmidt und das Wort Jude nicht mehr hören. And Mr. Fassbind visited the innkeeper and asked her time and time again, please, 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 when the time comes, at a time when you don't need it anymore, please, can I have it? But unfortunately she was delivered into hospital and uh, her nephew was the person who cleared out this room and he was not friendly towards Josef Schmidt and the name and the Jewish Altogether, he, he said he would prefer not to hear that name anymore. Und hat es verbrennen lassen. Hat mir nachher mit, mit Genuss erzählt, sie hätten es aus dem Fenster schmeißen müssen und zuerst noch zusammen in kleinere Stücke schlagen, weil sie es nicht die Treppe runtergebracht hätten. Toll, hä? Huh? It was actually quite probably a spiteful act that he had it destroyed and burned, uh, had it thrown out of the window and cut into three pieces and... Uh, and then destroyed. And that's something that he actually told Herr Fassbind himself personally, that it was almost a joy to do. So that is really, really, very, very despicable. Und äh, die Frau Hartmann hat das 44 Jahre lang jedem, jedem, der sehen wollte, erzählt. Das ging eine ganz steile Treppe nach oben in, in, ins erste Stockwerk. Ah. Und da waren die Originalkissen, die hat sie nie reinigen lassen. Also da oder da lag der Kopf von Josef Schmidt. Mhm. Und 44 Jahre lang, also bis 86, hat sie jedem erzählt, wie das war. Und da lag er und da waren die ganzen Ampullen von den Medikamenten und so. Und da kommt der Mann und macht alles zunichte. Das muss man erst verkraften. Over a long period of time, from 1946 Kurz vorher, wo sie noch da war, bevor sie ins Krankenhaus kam, war ich mit Besuchen aus Australien übrigens da, im Waldeck, da genau an der Stelle. Und ich habe ihn erinnert, den Neffen, sie haben mich doch gesehen noch, zwei, drei Wochen vor. Die Antwort war, ich habe sie schon gesehen mit diesen Juden. About three weeks before she was delivered into hospital, Mr. Fassbin went with a group of Australian fans. fans. 
just here at this very table here he sat and reminded the nephew yeah. that he was just really desperately hoping to have this sofa and the answer was ich habe sie schon gesehen mit diesen juden i saw you with those jews i saw you what's this ah this is the this is the eintrag im Totenregister in Zürich, Schmidt Josef, 38 Jahre, 8 Monate, 12 Tage, staatenlos. Here we can see a copy of the Registry of Deaths here in Switzerland. And you can see the name Josef Schmidt. He was uh, listed as being stateless here, died at the age of exactly 38 years, 8 months, and 12 days. Yeah. Yeah, That's the most chilling bit isn't it where it says stateless das war immer das letzte wort wenn ich vorträge gehalten habe da konnte ich oft genau wie jetzt fast nicht mehr sprechen it's so moving that when mr fassbin has given lectures or talks or talked to people about the story of his life this word has often been very difficult to he hasn't been able to actually say it and it's been very emotional and almost close to tears ja weil ein mensch der die ganze welt beglückt hat und überall zu Hause war, stirbt als Staatenloser. Because for the simple reason that as somebody who has given the world so much, so much happiness, uh, dies as a stateless person in such an incredibly desperate situation. <Sie>
And so what, you open the roof with this? I open it. Oh, wow, it's beautiful. This is your telescope. That is one of our two telescopes. Is this the telescope with which you confirmed the orbit of mm -hmm. um, Joseph Schmidt asteroid? Yes, exactly. Mm. That was my work. Right. Yes. I have a feeling that I should have begun this story with you, Marcus Grieser, whose name I found through a Swiss-German website. Considering I neither read nor speak German, that's a strange way to find someone. But after applying one of those awful online translators to the entry I had found, I was able to establish the following. That you were an amateur astronomer, that you were Swiss, and that you had campaigned to have asteroid 168321 discovered by a German astronomer, Freimut Böngen, named after Joseph Schmidt. When I first made contact with you, I had no idea that you would end up as my friend, guide, and as one of the remarkable and passionate men that I refer to at the beginning of this letter. I can simulate orbits from the database of Minor Planet Center. I tip in the name. So you typed in Joseph Schmidt? Uh, I can uh, make visible the orbit. So. What's Joseph Schmidt doing? Uh, Joseph Schmidt is moving on his orbit around the Sun, also the Earth. I have a look for the point when Joseph Schmidt will be next time near to our Earth. You see that will be in June 2011. 11? The planet Joseph Schmidt will be visible with a brightness of 18.5 magnitude. That means it is no problem to see this faint point with the telescope of our observatory in this time. Why did you want this asteroid to have the name of Joseph Schmidt? I propose to Freimuth to take this name of Josef Schmidt and Freimuth is a person who has named a lot of his discoveries after victims of the Nazi dictatorship. I have a relation to Josef Schmidt who goes back to my youth, my Parents were great fans of Josef Schmidt and the wonderful music of Josef Schmidt. Josef Schmidt's music was a part of my life in my youth. I think it is a good idea because this naming was possible 
in a co-working of a German and a Swiss. And we both know that our countries had made great thoughts in the past. Josef Schmidt is a tragic figure of history and we think we had to correct something. The words, a star fell from heaven, have become synonymous with the name Joseph Schmidt. Firstly, because of the song by the same title, and later the film. On his grave, as you know, are the words, a star fell, a play on words, but also a sad comment on Schmidt's fate. The idea that there is now an asteroid not exactly a star, but still a heavenly body, that bears the name Joseph Schmidt, is a poetic one. And I wonder if campaigning for the acceptance of this name was a symbolic act on your part. The consequences is clear. With this naming, there is no possibility the star of Joseph Schmidt falls again. An asteroid can't fall? No. That's a main belt uh, asteroid. That's no danger that he can meet the Earth. Okay. A main belt. The asteroid of Josef Schmidt can never fall. Perhaps it doesn't even matter where this story begins or how it's told. What matters is that it is told and that Joseph Schmidt isn't forgotten. Yeah, maybe that's the point. What do you think? I'm guessing that this is what you will say to me. You know, just by writing these words, I'm feeling a little clearer about how to proceed. Thanks. All the best. Natalie. A Star Falls from Heaven, sung by Joseph Schmidt, the star tenor who lived from 1904 to 1942. And that song was written by composer for the stage and screen Hans May, who left Germany in the mid-30s. But that's another story. A Star Fell, Remembering Joseph Schmidt, was produced and narrated by Natalie Kesticher, with sound by Stephen Tilley. With Natalie, we met Marcus Grieser, the astronomer who has had an asteroid named after Joseph Schmidt. We visited Alfred Fassbind, a tenor himself, at his home in the village of Durnton, where he keeps the Joseph Schmidt archive. Lynn Stutz Rowling was there to interpret. At a Sydney hospital, we met Eric Treuner, who, as a boy, sang in the Vienna Mozart Boys' Choir and remembers being taken to see Joseph Schmidt in person, singing in a radio studio in 1935. Eric Treuner has since passed away. Thanks to Marcus Grieser, Nanya Nissen, Renata Mitchell, Alfred Fassbind, Jan Neckers and Florian Messner for their invaluable research assistance. This program was first broadcast on Into the Music last year. Online you'll find images. You can even see the asteroid. It's asteroid 168321 Joseph Schmidt. 
So have a look at abc.net.au slash rn slash into the music. Next weekend, a tale of music and slavery from 19th century USA, the little-known story of the composer, concert pianist and star performer known as Blind Tom. That's next weekend on Into the Music, Saturday afternoon at 5 past 5 and 1am on Sundays. I'm Robin Johnston. Thanks to sound engineer David LeMay. <laughs>